Welcome to Business and Investing with Grant and Charlie, where we are enhancing your complete set of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. Charlie, I'm on a high this morning. Do you want to know why? I really want to know why. I figured it out. I figured out how to win short term and win the long term. Lay it down for me, Meryl. Lay it down. All right. So we have a newsletter. Short-term pain, short-term win. You can head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in your name and email, click subscribe, win from the short-term. You want to know the long-term? Tell me the long-term. You get these emails every single week that talks about how to generate wealth inside and outside your business. And over the long-term, you're actually winning in life, which means I'm like, I almost get to have my cake and eat it too. So it's the short-term and long-term. So if anyone's listening to this and like, Grant, this is the greatest piece of advice I've ever heard. I get it. Just head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter and I'll repeat it. Put in your name and email, click subscribe. You'll win short term and long term too. Cheers, Charlie. Let's cue your disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Business and Investing and I need to let you know that Grant, myself and the Business and Investing team are in no way, shape or form qualified to give you personal or specific financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when you are making investment decisions or comparing investment products. All right, Grant, I tell you what, I wonder if there's anyone out there that listens to the show that isn't aware we have a newsletter. (laughs) I I would, I'd be the thing. Dude, I would almost just listen to this show to see how creative you will be at promoting the newsletter in the intro. <laughs> you know, we can never not do a newsletter now. Like this is just so ingrained and baked in. It would actually be a little bit funny if we stopped. <laughs> just like or broke the URL, like change the URL to like free-newsletter just so people couldn't find it. I will give you credit though. One of the ways you've really enhanced the intro is tying it into the topic of discussion. I'm trying. Yeah, so people might have picked up in your intro today that we're talking about the short term and the long term and uh, really the pros, cons and challenges when you get this out of balance, right? Because some people out there, they get very short term focused at the expense of the long term. Other people, which I would put this myself into this uh, camp, can go so long term focused that we ignore the short term and that can have significant consequence and there's a real art and skill to being able to play the short and long term to like maximize results. And I did none of those problems. So I'm just going to interrogate you. <clears throat> like none of this relates to me. I'm feeling that may not be true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd be, you'd be right. You'd be right. All right. So let's go, let's go there. I'd love to use a bit of a few examples. I might lead this one off because I, I can just think of one uh, hugely now. When I started my first agency, it was very clear to me that the whole outcome I had was just making enough money every month to pay the bills. And what, yeah, what did you think was enough? Like what was your comparison point? Well, I knew at this point, so if I was to give you the comparison, when I was a plumber, I was making about, from, and this is just from the salary, not any side jobs or weekend work, which I used to do a lot of. I acknowledge. Yeah, man, the cashy thing in the trade world is real. And honestly, some weeks I made more from cashies than I did working in the industry. It's ph- it's phenomenal how that can work. It's good uh, short-term thinking. Uh, and not at all a way to avoid tax. I mean, what? <laughs> didn't didn't at all say that. I feel like there's no government employees that listen to this. You're pretty safe. 
Maybe. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting thing. Well, I mean, they get it anyway, right? It's like I take that money, I spend it in the economy, it creates GST. It'll like, come back. I'm sure they're aware. That's why they have GST, I'm pretty sure, is because the income tax system is flawed. But I'll no, say specifically that. for your cash jobs. <laughs> well, well, we will start here then. I had a theory when GST was brought in, which I don't know if you can remember this, was like the one of the things that or reasons they did it was actually because there was a lot of tradies out there and just a huge component of the economy. And even think about like takeaway shops, like food takeaway shops, like my fish and chip shop back in the day used to only take cash or the hairdresser used to only take cash and then it's like, well, how much of it is actually being taxed? Where GST is your taxed when you spend, right? So I always felt the GST system was a way of uh, counterbalancing how much cash runs through the system and is uncaptured. And I thought it was a reasonable idea because if you were an executive paid at CBA, there's no way you could get around income tax. Mm. But if you were a tradie, you could just basically pretend, oh, I didn't work that week, do a heap of cash jobs and effectively increase your take home in other ways. But anyway, I don't want to digress from the topic. Not what we're here for at all. Just an interesting thing to understand in the taxation system. Now, when I was a plumber, I was making about 1300 bucks a week, which when I was 20-ish, it was like it was a substantial amount of money. So it's about 70K a year-ish? Well, it's about five grand a month is the way to think about it. And so that was my comparison point. So when I got into my agency, that was what I was looking to replicate. So all my thinking, actions, behaviors, thoughts, strategies was just focused on achieving five grand a month of net profit. Replace the previous income. Yeah. Now, unfortunately... Because that window was quite small, right? I'm thinking monthly. Everything's monthly. Right? At times, I very much made decisions that were short-term focused instead of long-term focused. And can I give a couple of examples? I reckon I could guess them, but go for All it. All right, I have a couple of guesses first. All right. So you were agency boy. Yeah, definitely. Ag- agency boy. Hands down, I don't think there's an agency owner that never offered and did a website. One-off fee. No, that was a core component of the offering. Like I was doing websites, SEO, PPC, like all of it. Insane. All right, what else did you do? Did you organize some events for people? Oh, hang on, business cards. You would have done business cards. All right, so what you're suggesting is did I take on other services and uh, do other things to enhance the amount of things a client bought for me? Yeah, I absolutely did. So I even did apps, right? I kid you not, is that we made some mobile apps at a point. So – what I kind of looked at there is my thinking was, well, if I've got a client, I, instead of just being uh, you know, in one area and let's say doing a website and some ads for them, I just started adding on other things that added in complexity to this business. Now, it was very short-term focused because, yes, I could serve this one client and potentially increase their uh, amount they spend with me. But the consequence of that was I would chew up all my time focused on that one client that we never got to scale. Like it re- actually the opportunity cost was scaling out a simpler business in that example. Would you like a couple more? I would love more. I resisted hiring because when you, you hire- You wanted to cash it, yourself? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if I was, when I first started making, uh, let's say that five grand a month, the idea of hiring someone meant my profit would go down in the short term. It might take six months for me to build the business back up to a point where I'm making five again. But that was the way to get to 10. Yeah. So instead of doing that, I would just work more hours. And I think a lot of people out there are doing that right now. I'm going to be frank on this one is they're 
way they try and increase the amount they make is injecting more hours into those types of activities without the more focus on the horizon of building the team in this one here. Yeah, it was it's fascinating that you share that very similar journey. So I I started off primarily just selling websites. And so it was very lumpy revenue. So I would go and try and bring in things. And I've, I've mentioned this story here before of me actually going and selling content as if I was a content writer. It was a content for an orthodontist, like as if, I, <laughs> as if I was ever going to be good at this content. But I needed the cash and there was no one on the team that was going to deliver it, which meant that I was there, sat there Thursday nights, Friday nights and the weekends reading over orthodontic brochures to actually try and understand how to do the thing, which took me away from networking, selling, looking about how can I improve the efficiency of the business to increase profitability just because I was desperate and I needed the cash this month in order to justify my earnings. And it was just, it was the quickest way for me to not compound and grow. Hugely, that's what you miss out on. Like if we go back to this time, this was, geez, almost 10 years ago now, probably is 10 years ago if I really think about it. Like how many people started podcasts 10 years ago that didn't have a great initial payoff? but had an amazing compounded value where for 12 months they probably got nothing out of it, but over five years have become immensely valuable assets that have then enabled them to generate significant cash flow and profits from. Powerhouses. Yeah, and case in point is like we know some of these people. They're our friends. Like I'll I'll tell you a quick story here, and I hope you won't mind me talking about it, but um, someone I've worked with in the past and I'm I'm a huge fan of is Nathan Chan from uh, Founder. Yep. Yeah. Now, um, if you look back in Nathan's story, and I'm, I'm sure people have even heard this, for the tw- first 12 months of uh, that business, he made like nothing. He spent 12 months just building the content, trying to get better people into the magazine. And eventually, after a lot of hard work, he started getting people like Richard Branson and Tony Robbins. It was only after he'd spent all that time and had a longer term vision for things was he able to then, you know, capitalize on his assets in a much stronger way. And example of after example of this, right? Yeah. So the when I look back on it, and this is where it comes for me, chasing that short-term five grand and then aligning my behaviours to that, selling in a way that was aligned to that, there was a huge expense and opportunity loss that I just didn't see. And I think many don't see. Did you do the same with little side businesses from your main business? I, I wasn't a big side business guy. I must admit when I did agency, I played all out in agency pretty hard. And then uh, it was towards the later part where I was kind of like, I, I did actually start doing work on uh, my outsourcing business at the time. So the VA business had kind of started as my first side project, but it was actually because of opportunities to sell the agency and then make a move that, that kind of existed. So yes, I did a few things here or there, but I, I wasn't a dabbler in the same way. I definitely stayed in agency land to a degree. Yeah, I got to start dropping some shiny objects around your house. (laughs) Dude, that was – so for me, one of the things that I did, so I was selling lumpy websites, lumpy revenue, which was websites, which when I say that, I mean selling project-based things, which meant that I'd have to go out and sell more in order to deliver it and then it would just be a rinse and repeat cycle. That's what I have to do. And so one of the things that I found was like, I'm like, okay, well, this sucks. How can I go and do something completely different? And so I would then go and spend more of my time to look for different businesses to run to try and make the money 
short term to make up for the difference of the time that I was actually investing in the website business. Can you articulate that or dive more deeply? Because I almost look at that and go, that's kind of long-term thinking. You've acknowledged, hey, this business isn't great. I've got to find something else to solve this problem long-term. But you're almost suggesting that it was like, no, 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 I'm actually just trying to like cover up a flaw in the business model. So maybe it's, all right, websites are really lumpy. I'm going to start making business cards to just fill in little gap revenue. I love the fact that you've picked this up because that was going to be the second point I was going to make on it. So initially it was how do I find a business model that's got better profit margins that I can deliver quicker, easier, repetitively than this, which is why I lent to like drop shipping and affiliate websites. It's like, ah, infinite supply. I can totally do these things. And it was only because I went out and saw other people who were making, perceivably making good money that I'm like, well, something's got to be quicker and easier for me than that. But the problem with a lot of the things that I did, they weren't long-term. It was literally to try and get me out of the current short-term. So is this like fad hopping? Were you yeah, one of those guys selling like to- hoverboards or something? I'm sure if I went back 15 years, I'd be selling fidget spinners. Like, <laughs> it's just like... And but that but so that was the challenge. And so even though in my mind I thought I was looking for the infinitely better long term solution, like looking back at it, all I was doing was I was jumping from a, a short term pain to another short term pain to another short term pain because I didn't actually stop and think and go, how can I build a long term base, right? And so you, to your point around a podcast, like how can I build that thing that I want to do for the next ten years, fifteen years, or whatever, and start doing that today. It was more how do I generate the cash today and at what things can I jump onto with my knowledge in order to pull in that cash really quick. Like in these affiliate sites lasted like six months. Some of these e-commerce sites lasted like six months, 12 months. The longest one did like five years, which was great. But it was one out of like 12. I was like a VC firm trying to figure out which one was going to be the one as opposed to actually choosing the long-term play from the very get-go and sticking with that the whole way through Completely. Do you ever look back and just think about like we were on the internet at a time where you could grow email lists for like, you know, 20 cents, you know, like per person and stuff. And like there were people that saw that opportunity and they went on all on in and like growing audience in some way as a type of asset, whether it's podcast or email list. There was people that went all in on like, I believe you know this person as well, like owning certain websites like lead gen sites for plumbers or lead gen sites and like they saw the opportunity in building the asset and instead of being short-term extraction focused like you and I, it's like how do I get my five grand a month to pay the bills? They were injecting any of the short-term profits they made into assets. And assets that had a long-term play. It's really interesting. There's a couple of guys that I catch up with uh, that I knew when I first started business, uh, some of which I went through university with, and they are still in the same business after like 15 years and crushing. <laughs> and they've just like seen my journey was just like hopping and then I changed it after a couple of years and I just went, that's it, I'm going to go for long-term focus. But they knew what they wanted to do from the outset and they knew the business model and they went through, to your point, this pain of starting it up, the cost behind it. And they go, this is the thing that's going to actually lead me to a better long-term outcome. And this is the greatest case study of like the pain that I went through on short-term jumping for a couple of years comparative to themselves and like where they've ended up. It was just, it works. I want to frame something here though. I think to use this example, you you and I clearly, we'll just say we've learned from this. We did, we both would probably do things differently if we went back in time. And I think many people out there may consider if they are short-term focused and not turning it into long-term wins. 
But I, I would just want to highlight another thing here around employees. I find in a lot of cases, what I did and have seen commonly is when many people hire, they hire based on the need of what their business has today and the pain they're in. Yep. All right. And they don't think necessarily strategically in the idea of, well, who am I going to need three years from now? And they might, uh, let's say, uh, promote one of their team who was a good salesperson into being a sales manager instead of hiring the sales manager that knows how to lead a bigger team that they're trying to grow into. So again, when you shift the question of like, how do I solve the problem today into how do I build the business I want five years from now, you start to come up with very different answers in how you approach things. Like the frame reset adjusts the actual answers to the solutions and problems you have within your business, right? Yeah. So I would encourage everyone out there to really come back to where they're trying to go long-term and try and re-engineer, do I actually have the things that I need to be successful in that today? Am I, am I thinking and looking in that way? But I want to shift topics now because I think there's a an actual, there's one group of people that are very short-term focused, focused on the month, um, essentially creating this loop, but there's a whole other group of people that are only long-term focused and essentially because there's not enough short-term wins, they actually never win either. Did that too. <laughs> Amazing. Tell us more. So I went, so imagine this. So I, I, I did, so websites, started do, doing affiliates and e-com and then I moved into like SEO and did like the full service agency, which was the better business model. Like that was the one that was producing uh, good profits, good revenue, recurring. Like it was all monthly recurring revenue. Most of it was. To which then I moved overseas and I'm like, you know what? I'm going for a bigger Bigger opportunity. Can I, I say it? I, Can I use the word? Do it. Legacy. That was exactly the word that I was saying. So I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm down. I know how to run business. I know how to do this profit generating thing. Let's go and assign this to the legacy play. And so at the time, I was just, what interests me, I love developments. And so I got into software as a service, built a business that still exists today and still is doing the thing and I'm on the board for. But it was the forever game. Dude, I had ran that thing after about five years as the chief product officer, co-founder, everything without extracting a single dollar in. I put six figures of my own money in. I was making sure that everyone else was getting paid better than I was for this infinite long game that was, okay, well, if we sell out, that's going to be my win. That's going to be my my big tick of the box. I've done the thing, et cetera, which I just got to a point where I'm like, this is not guaranteed a success. I need to try and figure out how I take chips off the table along the way and maybe this is not the vehicle for it. And so I essentially created this forever long-term game <laughs> that I was just getting into where I wasn't actually building like a, a war chest of investments or otherwise outside of it. So I went from a full, how do I make money every single month and find the best profit vehicle to a, no, nah, screw that, let's go pure legacy because I had a good amount of cash in a bank account. And so I went to both extremes and at the end of it, actually ended up finding like this good middle ground <laughs> only by doing the two different approaches. Well, how many people even deeper to that, right? So SaaS world particularly is notorious with this type of setup because you have to invest a lot in building an asset, which is the software itself. Yep. And you might have to raise capital for that or you may have to work for free if you're the coder and develop it yourself. Like you're putting in a ton of effort to get there and the payday can be much longer. A lot of people go broke not being able to survive that cycle. There's not enough short-term wins along the way to keep the project going. And there's no guarantee that the project will keep going. Right? Or like be a success. Completely. 
Same in podcasting world, right? And I must admit, I I am concerned how many times I've come across this, like how many people uh, go all in on podcast in being their marketing strategy for their business. Like, and we've seen this where a podcast is a, it takes longer time to build an audience than say something like running Facebook ads or Google ads. Yep. Where they're convinced they're going to be able to survive the cycle. They go, we're just going to podcast because we know podcasting can produce high quality leads. We think we're going to start generating it. They start the show. It's not the success they had hoped for initially. Maybe it's the content. Maybe it doesn't fit the market, whatever it is from there. And in that 12-month period where they're investing all their marketing dollars into the podcast, they're not generating enough new business and actually end up having to pull the plug on the long-term asset to do something more short-focused. see this with brands and direct response ads all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Huge. And I'm not trying to taboo any of these or say one is wrong or right, but my view and opinion is like you've got to be able to play both. Have to. Do you do you feel that it's a foot in each camp at the same time? Do you feel like you have to be able to play the short term and the uh, short term and long term at the same time, or do you see it as like seasons? So you can go from short term, I don't know, arbitrarily three months to then long term for three months, and then kind of go backwards and forwards. Like, is this a, at the same time, or is this a seasons? Yeah. So again, I'll I'll just I'm just going to say this is my view and belief. Is there other ways of doing it? Probably, but this is definitely what has worked for me. My view is that uh, number one is you have to have a long-term goal to align to. You absolutely do. If you don't have a long-term goal, whether that's financial independence, whether it's a certain amount of net wealth, if it's a lifestyle, like whatever it is, there has to be something you're looking at past the short term to realign to. Now, step one. Now, step two in that is I think you want to be as long-term focused as you can be, right? Now, to that point is that's acknowledging the realities. So if you require, in my example before, five grand a month to you know run your life, it doesn't make any sense to approach a business from a long-term horizon where that isn't insured Yep, because you're just going to wipe out. Like you don't actually stand a chance of being successful long-term if you don't look after yourself in the short term. That's like saying, don't worry, I'm going to live to 100, but I'm just going to stop breathing. <laughs> I don't need lungs. I don't need to breathe today. It'll be fine. Oh, but there's some things that require short-term focus. Yeah. And then what I really love to do is very much acknowledge how short-term strategies feed into long-term strategies. And I'll use an example. Short-term, I might be focused on like what we do is running a media company but I take the profits from my media company and then I inject it into real estate, which is a much longer game, right? So that's a strategy in which I've got a a short-term cash flow that I turn into a long-term asset and cash flow. And I think that's a really powerful way to think about it. And when you are doing short-term activities, if you've got that long-term goal to come back to and align to, you can measure up and I guess dissect the effectiveness of these short-term things, turning them into long-term things. In your example, Grant, in the software uh, example, you might say, well, I'm going to consult people on their SaaS or their coding or whatever it is to generate cash so that I can then fund the development of my coding and asset long term. I also think there's an interesting idea in this thinking that in a lot of cases, what you're really doing is looking to turn things that generate short term cash into assets that generate long term either wealth or cash as well, right? There's something in the nature of that. And when we think about long-term, 
they often have like a compounding value, like a real estate example or an email list or a podcast. And it was interesting you say that. And and I share this only as an anecdote. And there are people that I know that do this very well. I just at the time did not and was not able to do it well. Where they take, to your point, they take the cash out of the businesses every single month and they go and invest it in other businesses, whether it's angel investing, VC or anything like that. The challenge that I had at that time was that I had a couple of the businesses that started becoming successful and required more of my time in order to guide them into becoming more of a success. And in turn, what I ended up doing was just sacrificing a heap of my own time to actually support and fuel a whole heap of these long-term games to which it just turned out I needed to close some of them in order to go for one. And that was one thing that I did not realize at the start, which is why I do something very similar, which is going into investing in real estate long-term where it's a bit more power, significantly more passive than getting involved in these businesses because that was where I was at. I was just just losing all of my time, effort and willpower and dispersing my focus across multiple different businesses that were starting to become successful. It was just, it was, it was never going to be the outcome I was looking for. And I had to go through it in order for me to become aware of it. I think this happens within people that it's not just investing in other businesses. I'll, I'll paint another scenario for you. Right? Let's say someone is, is running a business today and they're trying to think long-term and they go, look, I want to build a bigger team because that is an asset within this business. Yep. Makes sense on the surface, right? But if you hire people that aren't equipped to manage themselves or set up with systems where they can work autonomously, every time you hire someone, it's actually going to drain your time. Yep. And the consequence of that is you actually end up in short-term thinking of firefighting. Correct. Yeah. So even if it's not other businesses like it was in your case, in a lot of cases, what someone has mistaken is a long-term view, not recognizing the consequences of building it in that way. So you've got to, and and to be fair, that was me, right? I had 15 employees and no idea how to handle them in the agency. So I would just get up every day and firefight. So in turn, creating short-term problems because I hadn't set it up with that long-term view. This is another reason why I just wholeheartedly believe and my view and opinion is, again, is that part of the strategy for business owners has to be getting money out of the business into more passive assets. Like that's how you win the long-term. And yes, I totally get it. There's tons of businesses out there that have, you know, got venture backed and sold for a billion dollars and all the rest of it. But that is not the majority. That's like saying buying lotto tickets is a strategy for wealth building. Like, you know, sure, some people do it, but it doesn't necessarily work for everyone. Have you seen, and this is total setup because I know both of you and I have said it, <laughs> have seen it, so I've totally set you up. Have you seen people burn themselves out by running into a short-term opportunity that extracts out good cash to support their long-term only to like sacrifice the short-term? So imagine they're running a business that they significantly hate and that it takes too many hours of their time. They can't scale it without them touching and being part of everything, but it produces their cash they need and want every single month in order to invest outside of the business or do whatever they want, support their lifestyle only to hit a wall of going, nah, something needs to change and sacrifice everything they're trying to build. Completely. People get burnt out. It's yeah. like, um, I'll give you the example here. It's like many people are up for running a marathon and then 15Ks in realize what it is <laughs> and then don't want to run a marathon. Wait a minute. No, it sounds great before it, but I, it's easy to overestimate what you're really up for when you aren't deep in it. 
and there's times when you're deep in it and the challenge and circumstances is more than you anticipated and then you get, have to change the plan. Yeah, right? It can be very difficult. Like you can go so hard and like how many business owners do you know they get burnt out and have to take significantly amount of time off? There's something about the two-year run, Grant. Like people seem to be able to go really hard for two years and then health starts to become a significant challenge in their life or stress or they start getting into booze and coffee heavily or whatever it is. So I've seen that at many times. Or they jump into like another opportunity thinking that that's going to be the saviour when it's it's not. They become susceptible to things that come out that are very short-term focused but they hate what they're doing so much that it takes them off course in a really, really big way. So if someone was in that scenario, because I think a lot of people um, that I talk to try to change their short-term objectives for a little bit of enjoyment, even though they don't have necessarily a good long-term vision or plan, what like how would you approach that? If you, so imagine you're a business owner in a business making good money but hating it, right? Whether you dislike the work or it's taking too much time and effort, how do you recommend that they go for it even though they know what long-term they're going for? And they're just going through the short-term suffering and they just can't get through it themselves right now. It's a great question. And it's one that I think many will find confronting. Some people should start again. Some Mm. people have built prisons and traps and have legacy and have the wrong people and are in the wrong markets. And the effort it would take to fix that business into it being something that can provide the results you want is actually more work than starting a new one. Um, Keith Cunningham used to talk about this quite a bit. It's like doing a turnaround is twice as hard as doing a new startup. It totally is. And it's the same with housing, by the way. Renovations are twice as hard as building a new home. Because you can just take a wall down and be like, what the fuck did I just get into? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to hold the roof up with some steel beam. Great. I've, I've seen things, Grant. I have seen <laughs> things. I'm not going to lie, man. Like this, it's, I remember doing a renovator once and opening a wall and just looking at how someone had like – this was like a load-bearing wall and there was just like, you know, certain parts of the uh, frame just like cut where they shouldn't be. I'm like, this is a death <laughs> trap. This is actually a death trap. In, in the building they're renovating near the gym, uh, the building that I live in, and they've ripped off all of the tiles off the walls to the elevator shaft – and some tradie has gone in with a spray paint. It's like F.U.Dave. <laughs> and now all these kids are just like walking past, looking at this thing. I'm like, you never know what you're going to uncover. <laughs> you can uncover anything. Uncover anything. There is no guarantees in the, in the building industry. Uh, uh, anyway, digressing this back to here is that if someone's truly built themselves the wrong vehicle in the short term to create the long-term assets, just like we say, like having a good business is step one you might have to reset. And to be fair, I've done that multiple times. I don't. I think many business owners are too proud and have a sunk cost fallacy where they prefer to suffer and grind and stay in the poor opportunity and the wrong business for them. Where I, like, I completely acknowledge, like I built my first agency all wrong. I didn't have the skills or experience at that time. I did my best. I learned a lot. But the right decision for me was to sell that business and move on to the next one where there was a clean slate and there was the ability to me to build a new business with the lessons I had learned. I got examples of this as well. Some people I've um, worked with as well is, um, and I will name him, he's a fan of the show when he comes through, is like Chris Benetti. Like Chris was an incredibly talented guy and he's an incredibly talented guy, but he was in the wrong business, right? He was uh, at the time doing funnel building. And when we took his skills and experience and shifted away from that into uh, one niche, a clear offer, and he didn't have the legacy or lag that came with it, dude, he exploded. 
Of course he did. Clean slate, right? Fixing a business that doesn't necessarily been set up right is much harder than starting a new one. And uh, again, like you've done the same thing at a certain point, you've realized that you're in the wrong opportunity, change the opportunity. So I think that is there. A component that goes with that, that again, I'm not pretending is easy, is just making sure you get your living expenses in check. Because if you are going to make these types of changes, then you'd want to ensure that you don't have like massively high mortgage, like or are living uh, in a lifestyle way with expensive cars and things that prevent you from being able to make the changes you need. So you can end up trapped in a short-term shit opportunity by just lifestyle expenses being too hard or high as well. So that's super confronting. <laughs> that's super yeah. confronting for anyone who's there looking at cars and houses, going, "I've now built myself to be accustomed to this standard of living, only to have a shift that I might need to do in my business and bring it all down." I am, I I concur with that. I I have seen a lot of business owners go through the same pain where when they're in it, it's so difficult to see because they're in the thick of it, right? It's like, I just need to solve this problem and it's going to get better. I just need to solve this problem and it's going to get better. When in actual fact, to your point, it's like if you burnt this thing down and actually built something better or something new, it would have a better long-term outcome. Can I can I give an easy way to tell if you're, in, if you're not doing this right? Because there's a really simple way to look at it. I would say right now, if you look at uh, your business and your life and everything that's going on, if you're playing the short term and the long term correctly, what should be happening is your short term needs are taken care of. You're producing enough cash to take care of your lifestyle today, pay your bills, do all the things that there. But your compounding side of things is also working. So without putting in more hours, right, really specifically here, is that your in this case, your wealth is growing or your email list is growing or your podcast is growing, that there's something compounding which is increasing value without a change in your time. And when you've got that balance right, you're playing the short and the long term really well. If you're just getting up right now and only servicing your short-term needs and not servicing your long-term needs, right, you would notice that, hey, my income's the same, my net worth's not going up, I'm putting the same amount of time in, but in reality, I'm not really making any great ground forward. Yeah, I would split it out and I'd go I'd go personal and business from a long-term perspective. Like if you're – and you've articulated point it well, I just want to like really agitate that point. Like if you're improving your email list and maybe your podcast subscribers – Building assets. Things, building assets in the business, check, number one. But also um, from my experience – and just going through this pain myself, I'm like, you also need to generate and build that wealth outside of the business just because of businesses uns- businesses being so uncertain. And that could be additional cash buffers. That could be investment properties. That could be other investments. Just making sure that those two barometers in the business and outside of the business from a long term are increasing is a great comparison around what are you doing right now in your business for the short-term benefits. Huge, right? It's very measurable as well. It's like, oh, shit, I've got to run harder to actually get any more out of it. Well, then not playing it right. I'm curious. Imagine you had a time machine and you went back. What would you do different? If I could go back to when I first started in business, all right, I'm going to tell you right now, I would go to Amex and get an unlimited card and just spend all the money on Mortgage Broker Melbourne, all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Because I used to be there where it clicks for two cents. 
and it was a significant opportunity to generate it. But uh, in all seriousness, if I could That's applicable back, to everybody, man. Don't worry about it. Everyone's going to do <laughs> Well, I would say that this applies to many things today. This is – many people want to look back and go, oh, if I could just go back in time 10 years and buy, you know, houses in, you know, Melbourne and Sydney, I'd be killing it. Or if I could just go back in time and buy those domain names, I'd be killing it. But I look back and just go like there was significant opportunity that we didn't understand at the time in building online assets. I think the wave I missed was uh, podcasting to a degree. I had opportunity to start and build a big podcast much earlier on and didn't do that. I didn't focus on my email list because I was short-term focused on um, creating cash in the moment. And if I had gone that route, I could have made a substantial difference to the path of the agency I had. I just didn't see it. Uh, but, I mean, I'm very blessed and feel grateful that I see that now in hindsight because it's completely changed what I do today. It's completely changed how I approach business today. Like we've very much taken it in the last few years, you'd have to admit, Grant, you and I have seized opportunities while other people weren't necessarily acknowledging them for what they are. Totally. And like that's where we've had huge wins. And I would go on to say there's going to be more of these. It's just that you have to have your eyes open to them. I would, for me, if I went back in time, uh, one of the things that I did, which it was so interesting, and I say this because I'm sure there are other people out there that think the same, and I know because I've spoken to them. So I never put my name to anything when I first started out. And the reason I didn't was because I didn't want to be identified for things that might not exist for a long time. Oh, you missed the personal brand. Yeah, so I deliberately interesting. did And so, uh, and it was interesting, like, but then – when I started getting into SEO and I started doing the speaking circuit for SEO, I was reluctant because I didn't want my personal brand to be SEO for the rest of my life. And so like, and it was so unreasonable that in my mind, like I couldn't change. Like whenever I said something, it was going to become that massive and I was forever going to be the SEO guy. (laughs) And it was one thing that had a huge impact on me and actually building those long-term assets because I was going for quick wins. I was going for cash in bank. I was not going for, okay, well, where do I want to be? How do I want to get there? Noting that people change, like things change every 10 years and that's just part of life. I thought whatever I decided and whatever I put my name to now was there until I was dead, (laughs) like until I was 80. It's like, and you'll be the SEO guy until you're 80, as if that's reasonable. So it was the first thing. That's actually what I'm going to call you from now on. (laughs) Yes, I would yeah. say you're so unique, right? Because you went from, ex- I won't say extreme, but very short-term focused to views to very, very long-term fo- like extreme opposites. Totally. Welcome to my like personality. A- <laughs> yeah, actually kind of. I would say that's there's a lot of truth in that. Did I rock up and just try to swing and break a golf ball in half at the driving range when we're playing golf? Like that's the, <laughs> the object. You're an all-in type of guy. I like it. All-in type of guy. Um, so that's one of the first things. Uh, and the second one that, I really should have focused in on was like the wealth outside of a business context. And that was the challenge. So I invested all my cash back into growing other startups, investing in team, like sacrificing my personal growth. I know that I'm going to, I'm going to pause you right there. I can see, I could understand why in hindsight you would believe that, but I still think the intentions were good. The ideation was good. No, I I totally agree. I think the challenge that I did was I put a lot of pressure on myself long-term to make sure one or two of these businesses were highly successful in order for me to have a windfall in my personal life. right? And I've walked through the scenario of like when Hazel's looked at me saying, when are we going to focus on the family wealth versus business wealth? I think 
even if I didn't go whole hog on buying investment properties or doing the thing, just having it as a barometer because it was not even a barometer. Like my my lifestyle was based upon all of the money that I didn't spend in my business. <laughs> like that was it. That was like what I, that's what I spent. It was just like, cool, you want to grow the team? No worries at all. You were totally one of those guys that just had one bank account where you, it was business yeah, it was and personal like, and you had it all. No, no, there. but in my personal name, but in the company did I had GST accounts, I had like all these other accounts in there. And um, yeah, and so that was the second thing that if I went back in time, using my personal net wealth, not as a valuation of my businesses, which is what I did, actual net wealth in my personal name, I think that that would have been a great barometer to start with. Would I have changed and bought a heap of properties back then? Probably not. It just would have been a great reference check on am I continuing to grow this? And be, uh, the focus on being successful in business is the one that I do think is short-sighted, to be honest, because you've got to be able to turn that into something. Yep. Like just being successful in business alone isn't the end game. And I would suspect many people get trapped in that. I was trapped in that for sure. And those are probably the two key things outside of some transactional stuff around like trying to keep my feet in both camps, like doing short-term and long-term at the same time. But life's a, life's a fascinating thing. One of the – before we wrap it up, one of the questions I did have is so for you, for people listening to this, how can they actively sort of focus in on the short-term like to actually make the benefits right. Are you looking for like tactics here or like things totally. that are more short-term? Yeah, totally, things? I'm looking for tactics. Like imagine they're sitting there, they're like, I've got my long-term vision, I know my net wealth number, I know what the cash flow that I want to, my assets to produce at the end when I'm 50, 60 or whatever. But right now I've got some pain points. Like what are the key things that you reckon that they should look for? Yeah, so I love this as a question. I would say in the short-term, you've got to address the most important thing is going to be cash generation. Like if you are going to focus anything in the short term, you want to know how it turns into cash and specifically profits, not just cash. Right? I, I say cash from the point of view that I'm meaning like because some people sell things on contract value but then they collect very little cash yep. and then others, uh, you know, in the variety of things, they might just be collecting cash as profits. So what I'm talking about is I think it's net free cash flow is the actual thing. As a business owner, if you can align your uh, efforts to increasing your net free cash flow without just diving a ton of hours into things. That is the thing that allows you to invest more and move more things through it. So when I look at that right now is I want to be thinking about the most effective strategies and tactics to do so. Right. And that is a huge one there. Uh, that's my kind of take on it. I'd, turn, I'd, I'd agree with that. And I'd stack on the back of that James Ramco's effective hourly rate calculation. Cause that <laughs> No, but I think that's flawed. I, I totally think that's flawed because you and you really have to define these things in that context. I actually think his concept is brilliant. Right? So how's I do it think, flawed? Uh, because there's things you do on a longer term basis that actually work for you. And I'll give you an example here: is like there's there's times in a business where it's like you just need to generate cash. That's the most yes. important thing, right? So you're going to start going to uh, networking events, probably not because it can take time to build relationships before they turn into anything. That's not a short-term strategy in a lot of cases where like a short-term strategy might be, well, how can I sell more to my existing customers yep, where you can, can yep. make an impact today? So increasing your effectively hourly rate can have a longer time horizon. Is it very valuable? Wholeheartedly. But it's not necessarily if I had to make more money this month, the thing I would focus on. 
Yeah, no, okay, that's a valid point. Yeah, I was using it as a barometer for long term, but correct. If but that's what I mean. That's where the alignment is off. It's a barometer for long term. It's it's not as short term focused. Like, and I'll use some more in that is like if you've got a, a database of any kind, so whether it's a podcast or a, an email list, that's something you can apply effort to in a in a month where you can actually generate a, a return in that month. Yeah, and I'm keeping the focus and the frame on the month, right? So it's what activities can you enhance within a month to increase net free cash flow without applying more hours it's a really powerful thought exercise it is i don't think enough people put any time into it <laughs> yeah but if, well let's go through that is like uh, if you don't have to play that game and you can extend this out to a quarter whereas like let's say your business is at a stage where it's like cool I'm, i've got my bases covered as soon as you extend it out to a quarter now you can say well i think networking is a really great thing how can yeah. I develop deeper relationships with my clients? How can I develop new relationships to do JV deals? Because uh, relationships in themselves are an asset. Yeah, even but, even just open up additional opportunities. Correct, but that's not a short-term game. That is something you need to extend on a longer-term horizon, which is why I haven't necessarily focused on it here. Where, again, Facebook ads, like you legitimately might be able to start running ads or Google ads to generate more net free cash flow today. Or maybe not today, that's a stretch, but within a month. Tomorrow. Where building and setting up a joint venture can take more than a month. But the payoff on that might be significantly higher. But the amount of people that you talk to, you might not even come out with a JV. It's not like you go up to everybody saying, hey, do you want to do a JV? <laughs> it's more you're trying to find the opportunities. I hear what you're saying and I and I concur with it. It's so yeah, it's more the alignment of the time that you're doing. Like what are you actually allocating your time to in order to produce the income and the profits for the short term that lead into the long term? The great thing about this is the longer you extend the time horizon, the bigger the payoffs are. Sure. So you can see that like I might be able to you know run some ads this month to increase net free cash flow. I might be able to uh, email my list a little bit extra to you know increase net free cash flow. Like and at times there will be things where you have to be very focused on the month. When you start bringing these out to the quarter, now you can see it's like network development and a JV. I know I can produce a much bigger result on uh, a network player or a joint venture in what we do. Yeah, but it's going to take more time to develop that, but it will likely outstrip uh, what is created there. But if you go over a year now, now you're talking about, well, how big can I grow an email list that I can then create these times of profits of? Or how big can I grow a podcast to grow these types of profits off? What type of employees can I hire where we'll be set up to deliver bigger things where we can generate a lot more cash out of, right? So, and then if you go like 10 years and you start thinking about, well, real estate, you know, what type of property can I buy today where I need the payoff to be 10 years from now, where you can really take advantage of time and, and all the rest of it. And the payoffs get bigger as you extend the time horizon because of the asset value you can create. It's just that if you don't necessarily view it in that light, it would be easy to miss those opportunities. The interesting thing, the further I extend my time horizon, like to use your 10-year example, the less the business I'm currently running relates to it. That is the tendency. Only because I'm I'm aware of trends. I'm aware that people jump on trends and make good money as they jump on trends. But these trends and the technology that we currently have in the platforms, like what Facebook ads wasn't what it is now, 10, 15, what was it even around, what, 15, 20 years ago to its current extent, like things considerably change, which means that when you start going out to those horizons, it's like, okay, where, what does that look like? 
Well, this is the business cycle. So this is a whole other component. Like my view, and I was very fortunate to learn this from Brad Sugars, is like the business cycle is five years. Yep. It's very likely in a five-year period, not all cases, but in a five-year period, you're going to have to massively reinvent your business. Now, you might actually stay in the same industry, but you have to massively reinvent how you do things. Yeah. Whether it's product, the way you sell, the brand, the solution to the problem, the problems might change, et cetera. Completely. Like when we first got online in agencies 10 years ago, they're nothing like today. Same business. So there's a, a reinvention that goes through these things. And uh, I look at that, but even further, trends will change. And for some people, the, depending on the business cycle, it might be time for them to get out of an industry and go into a new one. Mm. Right. And that is part of it as well. So in business terms, I, I really like the five-year view with the cycle of taking and extracting what out into long-term assets and then you reload and go again or you sell your business or you play it in that way. And that's another asset value we haven't really discussed here is that, you know, you, we mentioned your SaaS play to a degree, but like I've met people that it's like they will grow a body corporate business over three years and sell it. Yeah. Like that's their move, right? That's how they co- create compound value. And then funnily enough, they sell that business and they buy real estate. <laughs> which I thought was always hilarious when I spoke to that gentleman. But anyway, there's other ways like, to, of course, generate wealth and compound value as well. Totally. It's like people renoing, selling it, using the cash to go and buy more real estate. Completely. Yeah. We're going to wrap it up, Charlie. Good session. Good episode. I'm glad you think it. so. It's always good to stroke our own egos. I was going to say, like, do you want to say that it was good too? I feel that it was good. I, I will let other people criticize our work. I ah, felt there I'll was a no. lot of very valuable <laughs> topics in this episode that I have worked for people. <laughs> I'll be a critic. I give you a seven. Nope. Oh, you did it! <sighs> I did. You like that? I liked because I knew you were going to come in and say I couldn't use a seven. I this was my opportunity to give it a seven out of ten. So, ouch! For anyone I, who hasn't heard this before, uh, I'm convinced that most people don't ever actually rank things. So, when say out of ten, what would you rate this? They just say seven. Seven. So when you say you can't use a seven, and people have to give it an eight or a six, you know where they're really leaning towards. And then that's when people go six and a half and you say you can't use decimals. You definitely can't <laughs> use decimals either. <laughs> like 6.9 or something like that. All right. If you're listening to this and you're like, I would love to receive some more valuable information like this every single week. I got something for you. Head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. Put in your name and email and rate us. How'd we go? Did we get a seven? 6.9? Either or. Just, just tell Charlie <laughs> and annoy the living daylights out of him. Just want to say thank you for joining us and we'll catch you on the next episode of Business and Investing.